in the span of your fitness journey. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You know, you can't be looking at the individual days and weeks. You have to look at the entire spectrum and how you have been consistently moving forward. So you're going to be fall off the wagon for a little bit, get back on that wagon, start moving that needle in the right direction. There's going to be setbacks. This is life. You know, I, I can't stand people who have tricked the general population into believing that every day is going to be a great day when you enter the gym. Hopefully we got that. Coffee? Coffee in three, two, one, go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fitness Lying Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Kripe. You know, I feel like I talk about this a lot, and I think the one reason why I talk about this is because officially, unofficially, I am still a strength coach. And so I want to talk about strength because there's been just a few revelations in my life um, about what this does actually mean, especially for somebody that's over the age of 40. Uh, you know, I can appreciate that now more than I could back in my, my teens and my 20s and even my 30s. And I can't wait to discover how this might be different in my 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, God willing, 90s, 100s. But, you know, the thing about being strong is I think it's all relative. Am I right? We think about when we were teenagers, when we were in our 20s, and maybe if we were strength training, what was that kind of strength training? What, what did that entail? What were we chasing? And I know for me personally, as much as I wanted to get strong, a lot of it had to do with bodybuilding. And the reason, the reason why it had to deal with so much with bodybuilding was because that's all we knew to some degree. You know, the, the bigger you can get, well, the more strong you could be is how that would, how that would happen, right? But I don't, I don't really think that that would be a, an efficient answer. And I say this because I've appreciated what strength actually means. And for somebody in their 40s and 50s and our clients that are in their 60s and 70s, it means so much more than the pump, right? And we know about the pump because it's one of those things, maybe, maybe I'm all by myself. Maybe I don't know what everybody else there, out there was chasing. But man, I felt great after my session when I could like see the veins in my arms, when I, when I felt like my arms were, you know, what the, what the kids call nowadays swole, right? It was just like, I could just feel my body being jacked up, I guess, is, is the key phrase. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had that mentality. And I'm really appreciative that I, it's been a long time because if I was still chasing that kind of fitness, that kind of strength training, I don't think I would be here today. I don't think, I think I would be personally burnt out. And I've talked about that before. I was so close to being burnt out. And I'm just really fortunate and blessed to have found like a different way to do things. And you know, it's funny, we say about a different way to do things. However, it's not really that different. A lot of this stuff that we're doing today, granted, the equipment might be a little bit changed and the methodology, but back, back before we had these box gyms, you know, you walked into any of these like gymnasiums, it was all like pommel horses and rings and other things that you did with body weight. You weren't trying to get after that pump. You were moving. You were what I like to call movement strong. You were training that movement strength. And that's what we have to get back to. And how I really appreciate this, especially everybody out there knows, no shocker, 
I'm a DVRT devotee, right? I mean, everything at Fitness Lying Down is based and centered around the DVRT principles. And I've kind of made them my own. I've, I've steeped myself in the principles. I understand what's inside the box of DVRT. And I've, I've come to create a system even inside that system of like FLD. <laughs> and the thing that I've, I found out now, and this is not, I don't, I don't want to be patting myself on the back, but I feel like I'm about to pat myself on the back. I'll tell you right now, I was born with no genetic superiority. <laughs> my, my family's history and background is anything but athleticism. And I will admit, I mean, I had to work for everything I did. And I was in the weight room. I was pumping iron. And that did help. I mean, that helped so many different ways, confidence-wise. And you know what? I'm just going to say it right here. Barbell training, yes, will make you strong, especially as a teenage young man. Uh, you know, the hormones, the testosterone is already being jacked up. All I have to do is look at a barbell, and I already start increasing my mass and getting stronger just as a result. So I'm not, never ever would I say that barbell training will not make you strong. I think there's plenty of people out there will prove me very wrong. But then once again, how is that strength relative? I am the son of a lumberjack. And I remember, you know, now that we're in August, the summers between school years, my job, one of my many jobs, was to split firewood. I had to dedicate so many hours a day you know, and that could be broken up, sure. But we needed to make sure in order to heat our home in the winter that we had sufficient fuel, wood, that was split to fit into the uh, furnace in our basement. So I was out there doing this. And I thought to myself now as I was going through college and learning about ab training, not, not core training, ab workouts, that, you know, I must have a pretty solid core from all this splitting of firewood. And yes and no, but I actually, I really don't think it was because I was trying to muscle the mall. So anybody out there that might not understand what a mall is, it's not an axe. Um, you have the wooden handle, yes, but the mall is meant to split wood. So it's actually a wedge, uh, a steel wedge, I believe it's steel, at the top of that. So every time you go to swing, you know, unlike a hatchet or an axe where it's meant to chop, this is meant to split. So you start with uh, the narrow side. It drives through the wood, and as the thicker side goes up, well, the wood splits. And I, you know what? I still enjoy Like I would love to go back and split wood, especially now knowing how to move my body better. But I digress. So here I am thinking, son of a lumberjack. I've been splitting wood all my life. I should have abs of steel. I should be fired up, ready to go. That if that was the case, if my core was so strong, well, why was it that I was throwing out my back? You know, again, I can, I can name three separate occasions where this happened and it was debilitating. It was horrible. I never want to go through that again. And that's why here at fitness lying down, anybody that does have any little back thing. Oh man, I empathize. I, I know exactly what that's all about. And fortunately, because I do know what that's all about. I know how to battle against it with exercises. You know, I'm not so much of a shoulder person. I don't know much about shoulder impingement, at least on a personal standpoint. I understand the science. I understand how, and, you know, through experience, I understand how to better help people with shoulder issues and knee issues. But those things, it's just my back. That's always been a thing. But again, ever since DVRT training and getting serious into this, you know, for over nine years, I've not had a back issue like that ever. It's been amazing. 
And I put myself in different vulnerable positions out in the real world. Positions that before would have me sweating. I would be like, oh no, I can't, you know, I would, well, I wouldn't even be sweating because maybe the sweat of, of the thought of doing it, but I would avoid that movement altogether. I would avoid leaning over to the side to pick something up because I knew that it's a good possibility. Chances are that I would tweak in the risk versus reward. Why would I want to risk that when I could find another way to do this? But now, and this is what I'm saying, this is the strength. This is a strength that you have to appreciate after you're 40 years old, is to have the confidence to put yourself in a, in a rather peculiar, disadvantaged position, but still know that your body is strong enough to stabilize the spine, that you don't have that tweak. You don't have that issue. And that's, you know, and I speak at this as a personal, like, here's, my, here's, here's how it works for me, but I want this to work for everybody. And that's the reason for fitness lying down is number one, I, I created a fitness lying down because I needed, I needed to create something that was different than everything else because being in the industry for over 20 years and fitness as usual, the whole counting reps and yes, we still count reps here at fitness lying down, but that whole just clock in, you know, check in your body. And at the same time that you, you punch in the time card to check in your body, your brain checks out. You just go through the motions, you get hot, tired, sweaty, you get a little sore, you put in what you think is the work. And you know, the thing is, is like that work that you put in in the gym, are you, are you proud of that? And that, that proud, that pride that you might have in the work is not because you just accomplished it, but did you accomplish it well? And what I mean by this is if you put in good, solid work, you shouldn't have achy joints. Your back shouldn't be sore. Your knees shouldn't be sore. Your shoulders shouldn't be sore and achy, these joints. Now, yes, you may have muscular soreness, and this is okay. And I believe in the previous podcast, we've talked about the different levels of muscle soreness. You know, there is the initial soreness. You do something a little bit new, and it's like, okay, wow, you know, my, my upper back's a little tight, you know, and sometimes, sometimes people, people enjoy that little bit of feeling. I know personally I do. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy a little bit of like, Ooh, there's my hamstrings. There's my glutes, you know, um, quads are a little, little sore today, but it's nothing that's going to hinder me from my everyday life. You know, on, on the other end of the spectrum are those people that chase that soreness or that soreness that is so debilitating where you do something and you overwork yourself and you don't get enough recovery and you are sore for days. Going to the bathroom is a dreadful thing because the last thing you want to do is sit down and get back up. That is not a good soreness. That is not taking pride in the work. That is just beating up your body. And when we look at, you know, just recently, I feel like now I'm going on all these different tangents, but I think these are, I think this is all tie into my, my initial point about being strong is I recently heard about the word fitness and it comes from the word, you know, the root word fit, right? What makes you fit? You know, we, we automatically just think, at least I do in our mind, that when we're fit, we're physically fit, right? We have the six-pack abs, we're healthy, we're all this. But you know, the, I guess it comes from a German word or maybe a Nordic word. I, don't quote me. Maybe I should be checking my sources here better. I know it's not an American word. <laughs> I know it's not from America. Um, that the word fit means to knit. And, or it comes from the word that means to knit. And when you knit something together, it all kind of goes together. It all, it all ties in. And so this is your fitness. This is your overall fitness. How is your mental fitness? 
How is your spiritual fitness, your physical fitness, all this stuff, your emotional fitness, all this stuff plays in. So here we go. All of a sudden now, maybe if I was so worried about my physical fitness and I was willing to sacrifice many things so I could obtain this physique, I could have this physical exterior that makes me look fit, more than likely, I'm going to be sacrificing things that might be contradicting to my, my life. How about if I'm spending so much time being worried about being fit, maybe I have to spend a lot of time in the weight room. Maybe I'm spending a lot of time doing exercises and I can't afford to spend a lot of time. I know the amount of time I can, and I know the amount of time that I need, but if I start going a little bit overboard and chasing this, I might be sacrificing that quality time with my family. So I might be physically fit, yes, but my home life fitness, my being a father and a husband, that fitness is going to be deteriorating at the expense of what I'm chasing. So that's not good. Maybe, maybe my spiritual fitness is lacking because I'm so chasing myself, my ego, that I don't have time for, if you will, a higher being, being God the Father. So I, all of a sudden I start lacking in that spiritual fitness. So we have to find that balance. Easier said than done. So when, I, when we get to that whole chasing the soreness, things like this, well, I think a lot of people, when they, they enter into fitness, and maybe when I speak about a lot of people, it's just the amount of people that I interview that are interested in fitness lying down. We're always asking the questions, and a lot of people are so gung-ho. They want to jump in on our six-week special. That's great. You know, and we offer maybe three, two or three days a week that they come in, and they're like, well, what about five days a week? What about six days a week? And I, I know exactly because of my prior history with fitness and working with a lot of people, I, I understand these people. And I, there's, no, there's no disrespect. There's no like judging because I know where their heart is. And they're like, if I could just jump back in all out and I can go, then I'm going to be able to get, you know, they think about their past. Like if I, back in the day when I used to work out five days a week, when I was 20 years old, I, I could, I had the best body in the world. I felt so great about myself. You know, here we are now 40, 50, 60 years old. We've got families. We have other responsibilities. Man, when I was 20, man, I, I didn't, looking back, I had no responsibilities. I can't believe how... <laughs> I could spend as much time as I did in the weight room and taking care of myself. Um, and that's it, is taking care of myself. But now most of us, we're, we're charged with the responsibility of taking care of others. So we, we can't have that. And now all of a sudden, our, our work life, our workout life, and our family life, there's an imbalance. And it, it's amazing how we have this all or nothing principle. You know, we just can't, we can't be satisfied with just a little something. It has to be all or nothing. So if I'm not in the weight room five days a week or six days a week, well, it's not going to work for me. And maybe I'm just, you know, I'm too exhausted. I'm too pooped up from working all the time, working out all the time. I'm, even though I'm not aware of it, I'm starving myself. I'm not honoring my, my hunger and fullness cues because I'm chasing something that is actually, to some degree, realistically unattainable. You know, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to understand where we are at in the season of life and how our bodies do change. And this is, this is just something that needs to be accepted. And it's so much easier said than done. I totally understand. So I am not poo-pooing anybody out there that says, oh yeah, I mean, I wish like I could accept who I am and where I am right now, but I can't. But here's where the strength comes in, right? 
No matter what body shape you have, no matter what body size you have at this moment, you can always be stronger. And that strength, that strength gives you the freedom. That strength gives you the confidence. Because nobody ever at the end of their life, and I was just thinking, I was talking to a client about this, and I think this is how he was talking about a podcast he heard. Nobody says at the end of life, man, I wish I had less muscle mass. You know, as we get to be 70, 80, 90, however, our muscle mass, like especially I think it's after the age of 40 that we start decreasing our muscle mass, especially if we're not doing anything. So if we can start maintaining or increasing our strength, now that might not be the muscle mass per se. So please out there, don't, don't mistake me by saying like just getting bigger is, means you're stronger. But there is a point where you do want that that muscle tissue, because that muscle tissue is so important. So I'm not talking about being jacked up and swole. I'm just talking about maintaining the proper muscle tissue to keep you strong because muscles is what you kind of get your strength from in unison with everything else. But you start lacking muscles, things start going down the road, down the tubes, right? You might, you might have the best cardiovascular motor in your body being your hearts and lungs. But if your chassis, if your, if your body is rusted, and is shot, you know, that's great that you have a great cardiovascular system, but strength, strength is what we need. And again, in all the terms of fitness here, knitting everything together, it is important that we have a functional cardiovascular system. Our hearts and lungs are healthy, that we're not running out of breath by getting up and down out of a chair, that stairs are not winding us. You know, so we have to build that endurance, no doubt. I'm not asking people to go out and run a 5K. I personally, I'm a big fan of walking. <laughs> I, as much as I do enjoy running, don't get me wrong, but sometimes it just helps to clear my head. If I pump those arms and I walk, I feel great. Um, running, yes, running kind of beats me down a little bit because as we talked about in another podcast, I think the last one is a series of hops and things. So it's just nice to go out for a nice walk. Not much to think about, enjoy the fresh air, and just let go. So I like that. So it's good to build up that cardiovascular strength. But the strength training, or cardiovascular endurance, sorry, that strength training, I would, I would skip a quote-unquote cardio day to get a little extra strength in. I wouldn't necessarily skip a strength day. Now, if we can find that balance, then good. That's what we need. But being strong. So here we go again. I'm totally all over the board. So I hope you're following along. Being strong is liberating. Being strong is freedom. Being strong is confident. So again, I don't care if you're a small person or if you're a person in a larger body. You can be strong. And you can be stronger than you were yesterday. That is the great thing about being strong. Is you can always be a little bit more strong. Now how do I, how do I talk about strength here? When we're talking about fitness lined up, this is the relative strength for me. And I do feel out of my years of experience here, this is the most applicable strength for everyone. So as I like to talk about, this kind of strength, it's not sports specific and it's not gender specific. It's species specific. As human beings, we need to have this kind of strength. And this strength is an efficient strength. Being able to move efficiently is the strength that I'm talking about. So how about this? When we're squatting okay, in the gym. Now, I will say this. 
Squatting is a human movement. It's a, it's a pattern. It's not an exercise. We can complement it with exercises, or in some cases, we bastardize it because we decided to throw a barbell on top of your back, which changes pretty much all the ways of squatting and puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on your spine. But that's another story. So if we can efficiently squat up and down, and we can train that pattern, now all of a sudden, if we're sitting down in a chair, how effortless we can stand. We don't need the arms of the chair as we hold on for dear life, hoping that we don't fall and collapse. We can actually use our feet in the floor. We can drive up out of the bottom of that seated position, and that's efficiency. And that efficiency, it decreases the wear and tear on the body. So again, using that squat example, is if I'm getting out of the chair and I have to make that more of an arm exercise and my knees are caving in and my hips are swaying, I do that enough. That's wear and tear on the body. And that wear and tear, it starts accumulating. And then before you know it, that accumulation, it ends up being a compensation somewhere down the road. And guess what? That compensation takes away from my movement efficiency. So if I can start training these different movement patterns, and that's what we do here at Fitness Line Down. Yeah, I might be a broken record here. I say this all the time. But here at Fitness Line Down, it's not about muscle strong. It's not about muscle strength. It's not about gym strength. Those two are synonymous. Muscle strength and gym strength. They all go together. We are movement strength focused. And when I can train movement patterns, I train everything together. There's a, if you will, a, a synchronicity, a synchronicity of movement. Things have to fire at the right time. And when I can create that synergistic firing where everything just, I just think about like light going through, like all of a sudden it just shoots through that efficiency. Think about when we talk about efficiency. Again, I might be, I feel like I might be double dipping on some of this from previous podcasts, but it's worth repeating. When I have my outlet and I have my lamp and I have my plug-in for the lamp, and if that plug-in doesn't go in very well, there's a loose connection. It's not very efficient. So I need to make sure I can really get that efficiency by plugging that lamp in. If it's wintertime here in Wisconsin and I have drafty windows, you might be cranking your heater as high as you can to offset the, the little uh, breeze coming in through the windows. That's going to that's gonna jack up your energy bill. That's not very efficient. So if I can find a way to seal up these energy leaks... Now, all of a sudden, I can put more years on my life because of the wear and tear. You know, as I mentioned before, I am not, not in any way an automobile kind of person. But I do appreciate that if I don't get wear and tear on my, my tires or on my car frame and I take good care of the engine outside of a, some kind of crazy circumstance of any crashes or anything like this, I have a good feeling that my car is going to last a lot longer than it would if I just neglected those responsibilities of taking care of my car. And you know, it does, it makes me a little sad that so many people are so much better at taking care of their cars and their bodies that they will invest more in their automobiles than they will in the, in the body that has to get them from point A to point B. But that efficiency, I mean, I keep going back to it. And I think as a, as a Packer fan born and raised, you know, I, I appreciate Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and his ability to throw a ball. 
And if, if you haven't ever seen something like this, just go to, um, I think it's the Motown Miracle or the Detroit Miracle or something, or these Hail Marys that he throws. So just go to YouTube, Aaron Rodgers, Hail Marys. And when you watch this man release that football and how far and how high he can throw this football, but what I want you to appreciate better is not the distance or the height of the football. Watch how effortless this happens with his body. I mean, it looks like he's throwing just a 10-yard pass when this ball is actually thrown so high and for so long. And that's movement efficiency right there. That's the power. He's understood his body. I mean, this is athleticism at its finest. Has understood that rotation, being able to take that rotation and unleash it. It's all about timing. And it's just amazing to watch. When you watch a, an Olympic gymnast do their thing. And it's almost like it looks so easy that you think to yourself, I could do that. <laughs> and then you go to attempt it and you land on your keister like I did. Um, and that's an embarrassing story. But I thought, yeah, I could do that. It looks easy. Nope, not easy at all. <laughs> Fooled myself. Martial arts. I mean, let's talk about these people that move and move with intention and move with purpose, but they've, they've practiced and they train so much that it ends up becoming looking like nothing. And that's what I tell our clients here at Fitness Lying Down, is if somebody were to walk in off the street and come into our gym and see you performing an exercise, they should almost look at me like, you know, that looks pretty easy. But we know it's not. And we know that there's a way that you have to, you have to learn these movement patterns to build on top of each other to progress because as we become more efficient, well, guess what? We need to fine tune that a little bit more. We need to continue sealing those energy leaks. So fitness line down is not a gym of, you know, we're not training your strength. We're actually training your weakest link. And by training your weakest link, yes, it's a humbling thing. So to some degree, I mean, I say fitness line down is for everyone, but it's not necessarily for everybody. Or maybe it's for everybody, but it's not for everyone. That's what I want to say. It is for everybody, but it's not a for everyone. Oh, I like that. I just kind of came up with that. And what do I mean by that? Well, because it is so humbling, a lot of people, they don't have the patience. They just want to see an exercise and do it for the sake of doing it. They want to perform the task without the intention. And they just want to clock in. They want to punch in their bodies, check out their brain, go through the motions, burn those calories, get beaten up, and they're good to go. And guess what? Okay, if that works for them, it works for them in the short term, guaranteed. If they continue doing that, at some point, they're going to get broken. And I don't mean broken like that, but something's going to give. And they might have to take some time off because, you know, their training was too intense for them. They weren't ready for it or they were not recovering or restoring their bodies well enough. That's on them. But here, I mean, here, because we honor movement patterns, we can do what we need to do for everybody. But it's not for everyone. I just, I repeat that again because it, it sounds cool. I'm going to have to make a t-shirt. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the thing. It's like, when somebody comes in and sees one of our sandbaggers performing a highly complex exercise, it's like Aaron Rodgers throwing the football, right? Wow, he threw it so far. But they don't really appreciate how effortless it looked. So all of a sudden, they might see one of our highly complex drills, and they're thinking, wow, that's a lot of movement. Holy cow. And, but they don't actually appreciate the person doing it and how effortless they make it look, which is actually, I'm going to be honest with everyone out there, this is a hard thing to sell on social media. Because if we show one of our effective drills, like highly effective drills, like a bird dog drag or a dead bug, to some degree, people will look at that and be like, eh, doesn't look like much. Or better yet, yeah, I kind of do something like that in my gym. I love it when people say that. And what do you do in your gym? Well, we do this and that. Yeah, I kind of do that in my gym anyway. Oh, sure you do. Um, 
But then if we lay out something that's really complex, well, then it's the other end of the spectrum where it's like, well, that's just circus acts. Like that's way too complicated for me. I can't do that. So almost like when you're, when you're marketing, I know a lot of my DVRT uh, friends out there who own gyms and have this problem. It is kind of, how do you, how do you market DVRT without either making it look too easy or making it look too complicated? Or again, making it look like it's just something, you know, like a, a squat with an ultimate sandbag across the chest in the front loaded position. Well, your common person is going to look at that and be like, yeah, I do that with a barbell on my back. So it's the same thing. It's like, well, but it's not. So usually for us here at Fitness Line Down, it's a matter of we find the broken people. We find the people that have been in gyms and they've been doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, but it always winds up that they get injured, they get hurt, and they're looking for something different. They're looking for something better. So we don't do things just to be different. That's easy. We do things to be better. As I mentioned, when I started Fitness Line Down, I needed to express differences in fitness, that it's not just about beating up your body. That's easy. That's such an easy thing to do. What I need to do is make you better. And it is, it's really neat when you can do that and have people leaving feeling better than when they arrived. It's, it's a high for me. And I feel like we get so many people that come in and they, they apologize. They apologize for whatever they're bringing in that day. So whether it is a bum back, whether it is a bum shoulder, whether it is motivation, they're just not, they don't, they don't want to push themselves hard that day. You know what? I actually get more excited about those individuals. <laughs> I shouldn't say it this way because I get excited for anybody that walks into my gym. I'm grateful for, let's just be honest. Um, I own a gym in a town with a lot of gyms. So for the amount of people that we have coming through our door daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, I am eternally grateful. But it is those people that come in and they need a little bit more problem solving that day. This is where I just, I geek out. I'm like, yes, all right, great. You've got a bum back. Guess what? I've got things for you. It's going to feel good. Your shoulder's cranky. (laughs) Gotcha. I've got you. And what what I get excited about that is because in any other gym circumstance, for the most part, I'm not, I don't want to paint the general brush because I know there are some quality, high functioning trainers out there. But a lot of times people would experience this, these little aches and pains, or maybe it's a little bit more than an ache and pain. And they'll say, I'm going to skip the workout today. I'm going to rest. And I love being able to provide the opportunity that that rest can actually happen with an active rest. So it's not passive where you're just lying around, not doing anything. Trust me, there are days for that. I experience those days and I revel in those days. But for the most part, nine times out of 10, those days where I feel like I have to like rest, you know what I have to do when I personally, I have to turn down the intensity in my own session. And this is something I've learned after being, you know, into my late thirties and forties. And I'm sure I'm going to have to accept it as I start getting into my fifties is I'm going to have to be okay with the fact that some days when I was planning more of a, an intense day where my body is, it might not have to be intense. It's going to be more recovery, but guess what? That continues the consistency. And that consistency consistency is key. It's key to success. Like anything you do in your life, stay consistent with it. You might have some days that you fall off the wagon a little bit. You know, some days it might be, you know, things happen. You got ill. You took a vacation. You know, whatever, work. Maybe you missed a week or a couple. Okay, 
then get back up on that horse because in the journey of your fitness um, journey, <laughs> allow myself to introduce myself. Anybody knows that movie um, in the span of your fitness journey. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You know, you can't be looking at the individual days and weeks. You have to look at the entire spectrum and how you have been consistently moving forward. So even if you fall off the wagon for a little bit, get back on that wagon, start moving that needle in the right direction. There's going to be setbacks. This is life. You know, I, I, I can't stand people who have tricked the general population into believing that every day is going to be a great day when you enter the gym. That every day is a, you know, and okay, I shouldn't say it that way because every day is a step forward. Every time you walk into the gym, that is being consistent. You are moving forward. This train, it doesn't go, it doesn't stop. It either goes back or forward. But on those days that you have to move back a little bit, that's fine because actually moving back a little bit, a little rest, recovery, injury, broken ankle, whatever you got, when you can honor that and you can be smart about it, you only come back stronger. You can't take, you can't just be totally not doing anything. Now this is outside of doctor's recommendations, but because I might have that achy low back, I still have to find things to do because my shoulder's not feeling well. And that's what, that's what's happening here at fitness line down is you don't have to avoid that spot. You know, I don't have to work around it. I work with it and I'm able to do things that creates that stability, that core stability that we just talked about. I think last week. When I can do that, all of a sudden, things become better. It's, it's magic. That's what it is. And all this strength that's happening. So, you know, the, the thought process about this is I was at the Perform Better um, Summit in Chicago in June last month. And there's some hands-on things and you get to, you know, do some activities and whatnot. You know, there's exercise and, you know, just typical things. But it's all functional training based. And I say functional training with quotations because that in itself, <laughs> any, any trainer worth their self could say their stuff is functional. Um, but it is amazing because working with people like in some of these hands on, and I was working with some of these individuals that were like maybe five or 10 years younger than myself. And not only was I able to keep up with what was being thrown at me, but I was able to actually be a little bit better. And I have to thank DVRT for this, for giving me the strength. And that strength is that efficiency, that agility, that resiliency, that even at an older age, I mean, I feel, I feel better than I did in my thirties. And that's, that's the honest to God truth. I talk to some of my friends now who are past their years and 40 at um, 40 and older outside of this gym. I talk to them and I mean, they've got issues going on. You know, their bodies are already starting to kind of break down. They've got issues um, medically, uh, physically, emotionally, you know, their knees, their backs. And it almost like it breaks my heart because we're still so young. <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, what, what am I doing right that they're not doing? You know, because I'll say it today. Today is the oldest I've ever been and it is the best I've ever felt. And you know what the separating factor is from what I'm doing and what they're not doing is I'm getting after the strength training. I'm maintaining my muscle tone. I'm maintaining that strength. They're not as much. Maybe their strength is more machine based. Maybe that strength is more barbell based. And you know, it's just like, man, when you get to that point in, in your life, you got to let go of barbells. 
because unless you're unless you're training and competing to win cash prizes, I don't think it's worth it. I really don't. I don't think putting a barbell on your back or lying on your back and pressing a barbell up or lifting a barbell off the floor, I don't think that that cuts it anymore. I don't I just don't think that that's relative to the person that's over 40 years old. I said it. So, if you got pitchforks and burning torches and you want to be outside of my house, I'll be waiting for you. But I just, I think that you have to be more practical with your fitness. You have to be more practical with your strength training. You have to make it so it actually helps you outside of the gym. That we're not just chasing whatever the mirror, you know, whatever we want to see in the mirror. We're not looking for those veins, veins popping out of our arms. We're not looking for the, all that definition and tone. Now, that still can happen. Don't get me wrong. But I just remember being back in my 20s. I wanted to get cut. I wanted to get lean. I wanted to see the muscles. And, you know... At sometimes I wasn't very happy because I was hungry <laughs> and I, I don't like that. I don't like to be hungry. I guess that's a selfish thing. Being a Catholic, that's the hardest thing on those. We got two days in the church calendar that we're obligated to fast. And I just, I do not look forward to those days. And that's because I'm a wimp. <laughs> and, you know, so the one thing I thought about too is because I was asked by somebody, the fact that, you know, how can you tell somebody is strong by looking at them? Right, because there's a lot of people that look very strong, and maybe they are just because they're large and they got a bunch of muscles on them, but maybe they're not that kind of strong. Maybe they're not that strong that we're talking about. That just gonna say it, DVRT strong, because that's a separate strength. DVRT strong is real life strong. That's where I. That's how I look at it. So how do I look at somebody and know that that person is probably strong? And I, I think there's two body parts, two parts of the body that I'll be looking at. I'll be looking at your upper back and I will be looking at your glutes. <laughs> so, and I'm a people watcher anyway. I, you know, I'll watch people walking up and down the street. I'll be watching people at church. I'll be watching people in the grocery store. I'll watch them walk. I mean, I'm just kind of measuring their gait pattern. I'm seeing how their posture is. And I look at that and I see that the people that I, I don't think are very strong tend to have no glutes. Or if they do have glutes, it's not a muscular performance kind of glute, if you know what I mean. I mean, they might have a rather large backside, but it's not for performance. And then the upper back, you know, how in relation to the rest of the body, it has to be, it has to be, it has to be sizable for the body. It can't be, we're not talking about bodybuilders with this huge upper back musculature. We're talking about in proportion to the rest of your body. How does your upper back look? Is there any tone or definition? Because right there, I feel like if those people with that kind of muscular turn in the upper back and in the glutes, if that's proportionate to their body, but it is, there's just something about that strength that you could see. I know that that person's got some strength added to them. Because I, I think about this, like these, these older men, these 70-year-old men, that they have absolutely no backside. You know, it's like their shoulders and their heels are the same length or same, you know, I mean, if you put your shoulders and hips or yeah, if you put your back against the wall, your shoulders and heels are going to touch and there's going to be no like accentuation in the middle where the hips are supposed to be. You need those glutes. You need those glutes to be strong. And so that's why people here at Fitness Line Down, that's one thing that they notice right away is maybe how much better their, <laughs> their butt looks, I guess. Um, but because it's so central, everything that we do centers around that core. And this is why I'm talking about how do I deem people as being strong? Because the lats, the upper back, 
that's the top part of your core, your glutes are the bottom part of your core. So if those things are working in proportion to the body in, regard, in, in relation to size, I'm pretty sure your core musculature is doing pretty well. And I'm pretty sure the rest of you is doing well. And if I have a chance, I'm going to look at your bare feet. Because your bare feet are going to help tell me how strong you are. So if I see your feet really bunched up and your toes just like really making that angle, it more looks like a triangle, I know that you might not be as strong. You know, you think about these statues from the old, like, Greco, ancient Roman Greco times. David statue. Man, look at their feet. Look at these sculptors and how they honor the size of the feet. These people had rather large, wide feet. That's strength right there. You know, we talk about his fitness line down. Strong hands, strong feet. So anybody out there that's listening to this podcast, I don't want you to think that I've been looking at your back and your backside, but I have been. <laughs> I notice these things. You know, it's and it's all relation and it's all proportion. But for the most part, I found in our gym and outside in the real world, those people that have that kind of strength are equipped with a strong upper back and some strong glutes. And the rest, you know what? It's history. That's how I want to end it. But the rest is just, yeah, okay. It all works together with the core. So I could have the biggest biceps in the world, but if I got no upper back or no glutes, doesn't save my life you know my calves might be the size of Popeye's forearms but again if I got no glutes and no upper back I would probably end up with an injury somewhere down my life that I could have avoided with some good solid strength training so boy that was all over the board today and if you're still listening you know 40 some minutes into this God bless you because <laughs> I don't know if I would have the patience to listen to me ramble um, and I hope you were able to take something out of there because that's that's my few cents uh, that's what strength is for me and that's strength training and that's the purpose and it's just that's how the world runs at least here at Fitness Line Down so until the next time that we talk my friends Godspeed